This is the iRacers Lounge, featuring the latest iRacing news, driver interviews, race reviews, opinions, discussions, rumors, and more. Now here's Alan Fajari and Mike Ellis. Welcome to iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Alan Pajari. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Uh, with me here is my usual Mike Ellis and Carlos Fonseca. Then we have uh, several guests in here. First, we have Brad Wren. We have Jeff Walton, Jose Paban. And then we have uh, the crew of 1UP Motorsports Peak Antifreeze Series team. We have... Uh, the 2013 Peak Antifreeze Champion with us, Tyler Hudson. We have the crew chief of Jason Miller. We have Travis Sullenberger, who is the spotter. We have the race or the setup engineer of uh, Josh Campbell. And uh, I'll mention that Travis is also a race strategist. <laughs> so welcome, guys. I'm happy to have you all here. Hey. Thank you. Howdy. Glad to be here. Don't forget about Bradley Havard too. He's he couldn't make it, but he's he's on the team too. Yep. Bradley is uh what we call team manager. Would that be Bradley's uh, position? Yeah, and strategist. And strategist. Well, first off, I'll jump right in and say I've kind of surprised all these people to run one car on one team for one series. I thought it was just uh the Hudson out there by himself, but uh, yeah, we could talk about that, um, guys. What, what what goes into setting up a team for a, to run the peak and and to try to be competitive every week and and what goes into well, what I'm interested in when it happened. What's what kind of time do you put in? What what do you guys kind of do before a race? And then what do you guys do during a race? Anyone can talk. Uh, we we put not probably not as much time as you would think, but we do have scheduled tests where we'll have a couple hours, um, two or three nights a week, just focused on the the peak races, and you know we all get in there and work together doing that. And as with most other i racers, I mean this is a hobby for us, so we we spend a lot of time. Um, you know, during the week, just just working on stuff by ourselves, or or the two of us will be together hanging out, and you know, we'll we'll start working on setup stuff and bouncing ideas back and forth off each other. What's really cool about it is it's 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 a lot like the real deal. It's just on microscopic levels. You know, like during the week, we're talking and discussing things we want to try when we get to the racetrack. Uh, you got your engineers, your crew chief spotter i mean it's all just like you have in the real deal it's just on a little bit different level but it's pretty cool it takes everybody and like they were saying during the week we take uh you know we try to get a good car together to bring to the track for our first test and then from there we we work on different weather uh queue setup you know stuff like that we can't give away all our secrets obviously but uh it's pretty fun it's definitely a lot different team atmosphere than we've had before in the past. Even when Tyler had won the championship, we weren't in a position to have this many people being focused on one car. We were on a larger team with more drivers that were in a DWC, and there wasn't four or five people that could focus on one car. So I kind of enjoy it better this way than having the the huge team with all the dwc drivers and everything going on we we can get a lot more technical with just the one car this way yeah i, I agree with that i think being a small team like we have we're actually really small compared to most of the teams running out there but it has its benefits and its drawbacks because of that we can really focus on tyler's driving style he gives he gives amazing feedback on what you know, I mean, down to the smallest detail of what he'd like in the car, and we can really focus all of us collectively on on that one car. And when we hit on it, that can be a great thing. But since we don't have the other, you know, the other drivers out there, if we don't hit on it, we can't 
jump around like they do with each other. So, you know, it's got disadvantages and advantages, but it's a lot of fun doing it this way. I enjoy it. All right. So when you guys are like doing a race, um, how much chatter is like you guys talking and, and what's, what's kind of going on like during, during a race. And let's say that you're, you're, you're up there in the top 10, you're competitive, you're, you're, uh, really focused. What kind of chatter is going on? Depends on where we're running in the race at the time. <laughs> if we're, uh, if we're towards the back of the, the pack and kind of, you know, middle to the back and we're kind of stalled out there and not going anywhere, Tyler does a good bit of talking to us. But if he's up competitive in the, the top five, he doesn't want to hear any of the strategy stuff for what we need to do to the car. He just wants it done and he wants to focus on driving. So we'll have multiple multiple channels set up so that you know we can we have like our race strategist like Travis in a channel with some guys talking about what to do as far as like when we want to pit how many well if we want to take two tires or or what have you and then we also have a uh, more of a, a setup driven channel with me and Junior where we can talk about whether the car is loose or tight and what adjustments to make and all that's done without Tyler being able to hear it so that he can concentrate on driving for the most part. Yeah, that's. That's pretty pretty cool on how you guys have that set up. We uh, try Travis, to are you uh, doing the full-on TJ Majors, you know, door bumper clear, and, you know, especially at the restrictor plates? or? No, I mean, Tyler's been doing this long enough with an in-game spotter, and in-game spotter's come a long way. I just tell him information he needs to know past that. I mean, I focus a lot on looking ahead and seeing what's going on you know, maybe not even right in front of him because he can see that too. I, I'm always looking further up the the pack if we're mid pack or so. You know, these cars at the speeds they're going don't slow down the the greatest whenever someone calls out a wreck. So the sooner you know that information, the better. All right. Um, now Daytona is tomorrow night. That starts off the season. Wow. What are you guys? Looking for in tomorrow night's race, uh, and Tyler, what's what are your goals for the season? What do you what are you hoping to accomplish? Well, as, as far as the race goes, it's I mean it's Daytona. Well, you want to win it, you want to run good. Uh, we've worked really hard on the car. I feel like if we get certain weather conditions, we we have a legitimate chance to win, and that's that's all thanks to these guys in here. They've uh. I mean, it, if it comes down to set up, we got the car. If it comes down to just, you know, some cold weather, all-out speed, and just picking the right lanes at the right time and all that, then it's it's a little bit more of a toss-up. But realistically, if we can get out of there with a top 10, you know, just a pretty decent finish, pretty solid finish, it's going to be a good week. I mean, we won the Daytona 500 race yesterday. A lot of guys have ran races and done really well in the NIS series. So it's been a good week. If we can just finish it off with a pretty decent finish, I'd be really happy with that. I think these guys would be too. Um, as far as the season goes, I mean, this whole deal that we were talking about kind of got put together last year. And we had the ups and downs of, of a new team and getting to know everybody. But we still finished. I mean, we came on strong there at times and still got a, I think, we finished 11th in points, missing a couple races. So it was a pretty good year, all things considered. And I expect this year to just be really good. I have uh, really high expectations for this year. Really uh, optimistic about what we can do. I mean, obviously, we want to go out there and we want to fight for the championship and win the championship. But there's a lot of guys that are really good, who have the same goals. And uh, so, <clears throat> I mean... We want to win the championship, but if we can get, if we can finish, I'll put it this way, in the money spots and the points, it's going to be a really good year. But really, I mean, really and truly racing with these guys and doing what we do every week is so fun that, you know, it's going to be a fun year no matter what happens. But uh, our goals, as far as that goes, we want to win the championship or finish top five in points. But it's going to be pretty fun. I'm really looking forward to getting it underway tomorrow. And, uh, seeing what we can do, and then getting on to Atlanta, where I think it's going to be a little bit more fun. Oh, yeah. So who would you consider your, your top competitors 
for the season are? Well, obviously you got Ray Alfala and uh, Kenny Hoppy who just won the championship and Ray's two-time champion, uh, finished second the year I won the championship. I think he's finished second last year too. He's always up there. Kenny's really strong when they when they put their minds to it and really work at it. Uh, so, I mean, but then you got guys like Brian Blackford who uh, came on really strong there toward the end of the year. He's not somebody you normally talk about as far as winning the championship, but I mean they've uh, they've done really really well these last uh, few months of the Peak Series last year, and and you could put PJ Sturgios in that as well. Just that whole team works really well together, and they're really really fast, and they got a lot of drivers, so they're going to be hard to beat. And uh, and Kenny obviously, but you know they they kind of slacked up at the end of the year, I guess because he won the championship, but uh, he's won it pretty early and. Uh, before the season ended, but I don't know how they're going to run. I haven't really seen anything other than Ray and them being really fast at Daytona, that team. So I don't know. But the series is so competitive. Any of those guys could just all of a sudden have a really good year. They're all that good of drivers. It's just uh, it's just a little bit of luck and a little bit of preparation and doing things right and being smart and all those guys are capable of it. We'll just have to see. Good. Uh, I want to go back a little bit to your 2013 uh, championship experience and kind of what happened to you after you won the cha- championship. Uh, now, I believe you had an opportunity to go to Homestead uh, and uh, be presented with your trophy and being kind of a uh, shown around a little bit and being down there in NASCAR. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your experience in that? Yeah, so when you win the championship, they uh, send you to Ford Championship Weekend down in Homestead. And they've done that with all the previous champions. Uh, Got to go down there, watch the races from the NASCAR suites, uh, which was pretty cool because Mike Helton was in there, and that was kind of neat. Um you know, I got to meet a lot of drivers, hang out in the garage, do radio interviews like Sirius XM Radio, get up on stage and ex- and take your trophy and your check in front of like the whole Homestead crowd. So, I mean, it's the real deal and it's really fun and they really go out of their way to honor the champion of this series and legitimize it. And uh, But then even after Homestead, I think I'm the only one that got the opportunity to go to Charlotte to the NASCAR Touring Series Championship uh, ceremonies, and I was honored on stage during that. So that was that was really cool. And obviously, from all that, I got to do the peak deal, which again, I think I was the only one to be able to do that. So <laughs> I picked a really good do- good year to win the championship, but um, got to do a lot of really cool stuff that I will remember for the rest of my life as some of the coolest things I've ever done. And who would have thought that comes from winning an online championship that's when you think about our sport and what we have that's pretty darn cool yeah that is um you mentioned the 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 peak deal um and i think uh, a few of us know what that is can you explain that a little bit yeah it was a uh the peak stock car dream challenge the year i went was its second year to do it and what it was it's basically kind of like an american idol to uh stock car racing michael waltrip put it on with uh peak antifreeze and it's a tv show it came on velocity channel and basically they they take uh, i think it was like 18 or 19 people and they they took submissions you got to submit yourself or a friend could submit you to be selected and they took like champions and race winners from all over the country in real life racing and they all competed in the same equipment every like a fixed setup race basically on a whole bunch of different challenges and uh you're competing to race a uh and n car for michael Waltrip racing and uh and that's what that was and you know I, I have minimal experience in real life and we did very very well and that was all thanks to iRacing and uh i think it showed really well to the world what iRacing can do for somebody um because that's where most of my experience came from and we finished arguably second in that event um but uh it was really cool all right that sounds pretty 
pretty neat. It would have been very enjoyable for anyone. I'm glad that you had uh, you were able to do it and had a good time. Now, one of the things that uh, I find kind of interesting is is your other teammates here. Uh, you guys have any kind of wish to to uh, go pro and drive in the Peak Series? Jason, Josh, Travis. Uh, you know, it's far fetched because because I had the opportunity to test and uh, be have firsthand, you know, be able to see the Peak Series firsthand and be able to practice with Tyler. You can see that it's a lot of it's natural skill that you just really can't learn, and the speed and the precision that those top guys have are. A notch above most our racers including myself i believe but you know i'll run that i'll probably run that season four deal this year for the fun of it but i really have no expectation of even being close to making it but i, I just didn't i enjoy helping tyler and working together as a team i feel i feel privileged to be a part of the peak and free series and the role that i'm in now real quick speaking on that It'd be really neat if they could somehow implement I don't know how to word it or say it, but it's a team it's a team series, you know. I get credit for a lot of the crap because I'm I'm in the series, but these guys are in the series just as much as I am, just in a different way. And they don't get they don't get nearly enough credit, you know, for what they do or recognition. If we could if the series and I racing could somehow implement that into it, like like they do in real life. For the cup series or any series basically that'd be really neat team championship points or something like that kind of like an owner's championship in nascar yeah and like if if uh let's just for example if i won the championship again you should fly me down and my guys i mean they they did uh more you know as much work as anybody to to get us to this point and it just sucks that sometimes they don't get the recognition they deserve. I don't feel like. I agree. Um, Josh, Travis, any uh, dreams of driving the peak? I got too many tracks that I'm just no good at at all. <laughs> I mean, I, I have some tracks that I'm really good at, a lot of tracks that I'm mediocre at, and some tracks that I'm just really terrible at, so... I doubt I could make it to that level, even if I wanted to try. But I don't really race official enough to even do that. I doubt I would ever even try to compete in the the season that gets you to pro. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I kind of feel the same way. I mean, it, it's it, when we're all drivers, I think we all would, would like to get into that series and to try to be competitive in it. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's just fun racing with these guys and racing the regular stuff so i go into it as you know i'll, I'll race whatever's available if i can make the series i'll try but you know I, I have enough fun racing here that it doesn't really matter to me one way or the other i just go out there and race and see what happens yeah one thing i do want to point out is that uh tyler you're about an 8,000 high rating is that correct yes sir yep and he's, he's around teammates so that all these other three guys are around 5,000 I rating and you know you could and not to put down anybody else but you can definitely see the skills that Tyler has and the ability he could jump in any car I've seen him in fixed setups just beating, beating people he just has that amazing ability and uh, and a lot of those guys that are racing peak just they're they're that good and you can really see just even the the difference between uh, the skill levels there. Uh, if you guys disagree, just let me know. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there's a lot you can learn. I mean, with 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 anything with practice and and effort and you know putting the time in, you can learn a lot and and make yourself fast. But there's there's a natural part to it that some people have. Well, that some people have that are just they can do that same thing you know somebody with that natural ability like tyler can put as much time in as somebody else can and be better than that other person because he has a natural ability that that just he has yep uh, when we had uh kenny humpy on and uh this was after he, he won five of the five races and uh 
one of the things we talked about was his hardware. He was just an, he just had the stock G25, G25 pedals and a single monitor. And, uh, you know, one of the things we were conveying was you don't necessarily need all that fancy equipment to, to race well. I mean, here's Humpy winning all these races, and he just has the real kind of basic stuff. So, Tyler, what kind of uh, equipment do you use? Well, that's uh, that's pretty surprising that he runs all one monitor. That, I feel like that was probably one of the biggest upgrades I ever got was going to three monitors. Uh, that's really surprising, but maybe he can use much of that money and upgrade that. But, um, yeah, well, I mean, right now I'm using a Thrustmaster T300, uh, and I've been using G27 stock pedals, but I just today got some new pedals, some uh, Club Sport Fanat Fanatec Elites. Courtesy of uh, Josh Campbell over there, he uh, sent me some to try out, and I love them so far. But back when I won the championship, I was on a stock T27 and pedals. I'm on a computer desk, just a wooden desk and a computer chair. That hasn't changed at all. But I will tell you, if I ever do good again in the series to win money, I'm upgrading this junk. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time, huh? I think some of it's just the immersion factor. And I mean, you know, like somebody said, this is our hobby. And, you know, whether it's performance based or not, just the immersion of it, the three screens is great. Although I do think it's an advantage. But, you know, all the extra equipment is as much for the immersion as anything, I feel like. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. I, a lot of the really, really fast guys, they're like just running whatever. I don't know. I don't know if there's an advantage to it or not, other than just in your mind. I don't really know. I've never been on really good equipment, as far as like a really good wheel, high dollar wheel, and pedals. So I can't really comment on that. But I know a lot of people that do really well on your basic stuff. What for wheel and pedals and stuff were in that rig that you ran when you were in Charlotte? Uh. In the simulators they have, it's like ECCI wheel and pedals, but it's, I mean, it's basically, uh, it's not yours, it's not, you're not in a comfortable setting, so it's hard to, it was hard to judge it, but, and then I actually got put on a 27 and, G27 wheel and pedals for the quote-unquote championship race they had, while everybody else was on the good equipment. <laughs> I don't know. It was fun to drive, but I couldn't tell anything. I think, like I said, I was just in a different situation. Yeah, he didn't get to set everything up. Was it an ECCI force feedback wheel or just a regular fluid dampening? It was, uh, uh, it did have feedback, force feedback. It felt really good. Like the, the, uh, the steering input and everything was really, really smooth, but well, I don't know. That's the wheel I originally wanted, but I wasn't paying four grand or whatever it was. <laughs> All right, and so the the peak series starts tomorrow night, I believe, at nine p.m. Eastern. Is that correct? Correct. And it's going to be on Race Spot uh, for people to watch it online. And uh, should be a good series, and I, w I wish you all the luck, and uh, and uh, hopefully you bring uh, another championship to uh, 1UP Motorsports. You know, I was telling Alan, every time we have a you know, special guest on the podcast, they seem to do very well. I'll take that. Let's do it. Yeah, that is true. That is true. They do end up doing yeah, well, so course. hopefully that... Uh, that luck will uh, bring bring across here. So uh, we do have a couple of winners in the NIS uh, at Daytona, Daytona 500 winners here. And so, um, Tyler, let's talk about you. You won yesterday, and so why don't you talk about your race a little bit? Yeah, it was a pretty fun race. We had a lap one caution that took out majority of the field but still there was a lot of fast cars left um and i'm trying to think it was a really long race i think we ended up with just a couple of yellows so a majority of it went uh green and it, it pretty much came down to kevin king myself and ryan Lowe. we just kept swapping back and forth when the tires wore out 
we could gap them pretty bad in the corners. But at Daytona, as you know, that that's not necessarily a good thing because they'd get a huge run on me by the end of the straightaway and could pass me back. But, uh, you know, it, it all worked out, though, in the end. Uh, and really, like I was saying, that's that's basically this team's win. They, they put a lot of work into that making the car drive good and uh we we knew we were going to hurt ourselves a little bit on speed but we wanted to make the car drive good just by what we knew from testing and to have it pay off is pretty darn cool and i assume that's top split right (laughs) yeah okay and but uh we have another winner with us which is jeff walton Uh, and and i want to point out that's the bottom split so we got bookends here yeah we got bookends here so jeff why don't you talk about your win all right um we had a first turn caution um went green for a little bit i got shuffled back worked my way back up with a teammate um on the bottom split lawrence and uh, unfortunately he got taken out with about a hundred or so to go um and we had about three green flag stops and last 25 laps me and uh i was in the lead and Jose was behind me. I forget his last name. Um, and he beat the ever living door. I mean, off, I mean the back bumper off the back of the car and I tried not to let him get a run. And, uh, we just went to the start finish line, beating and banging and I won and it's, it doesn't even feel real. I mean, that's three hours of sitting there trying to do something all week and it finally happened. Yeah. Congrats by the way. Yep. Congratulations. Yeah. Congratulations. And so, uh, and I know Mike, Mike, you had a wonderful week. Mike, I didn't get ahead. a win, but uh, <laughs> I'll talk real quick about my week. I had, I ran five races, five top tens. Uh, third place was the highest finish. Um, I had great car numbers. I mean, I need to go to Vegas and bet some money. I had a 29, 27, 31, 24, and five as my car numbers. So got some great points. Uh, so it was a fantastic week. And I think the, the big highlight is when I got that third, I, re- I led the most laps, 105 laps I led. And I, I really felt like it was a strong uh, race for me because that was all through green flag stops. I led the race and put a lot of people a lap down and, and felt pretty good about myself. So uh, confidence is high. Yep. Congratulations on your great week. Yep. And... Uh, Junior, I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the Wednesday race you were in. Can you tell us uh, what you saw uh, at the end of the race on that on that one that you were in? By the way, this was second split uh, Wednesday open. Well, I, I was on that last restart. I know what you're getting at here, the controversy of it. But as far as personally on that last restart, I was restarting third place. With I guess we had two laps to go. I was focused on what I was doing, but we took the green flag and we went down. Right when we got into turn one, I saw a car come by at full speed. Like I said, I restarted third, so there was 20, 25 cars behind me. But somebody got a huge run off of pit road and caught the back of the field right as the green flag was coming out. And just passed everybody on the high side. And before we got to turn one, he was in front of the entire field. And in the meantime, I I restarted third. And the leader, later on the forums, I think he said that he saw that car going high and got distracted. And he missed a shift going into one. So I got into the back of the leader. The guy behind me got in the back of me and spun me out. I slammed the wall. The caution came out so that that guy that cleared the field won the race. I guess I guess that's what you're referencing. <laughs> yeah, actually, my mistake. That was top split on Wednesday, and so uh, no, I think you're, it was second. It was split. second. It was, was second. it second? Jason forgot to point out that he not only got spun out, but he got spun into the outside wall, and I think ninety percent of the field probably went underneath him as he was in the air. <laughs> yeah, it was a yep. big wreck. That was just uh, even though that was my best finish of the week in the open end fix. I ended up 11th, but restarting third with two to go. Thought I had a shot at the win, or definitely top five, and then it just all fell apart. I hope somebody protested that guy. 
I'm pretty sure they did. I'm not sure what the outcome was. I, I heard rumors that uh, the guy was punished in some way. But, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, people felt different about it because he timed it where he didn't get a black flag for passing too early. So I guess technically he uh, didn't break the rules, but, you know, ethically did he? And did he break the sporting code? I, I'm not exactly sure how it turned out. Well, they did end up, uh, he ended up posting all of his results from the protests on the on the forums in, in a thread, actually. Um, he, uh, he, iRacing did, like, find him guilty of whatever they protested him for. I guess they, they, they wrote something about the spirit of competition. Um, so they did punish him, and he appealed it three times. He did all the appeals processes that, or at least twice, I think, that all that iRacing allows, and they upheld it on every level, so... Well, that's good to hear. I'm glad that outcome ended like that because that's just ridiculous. That wasn't uh, even the the worst thing that had happened in our split. I mean, that probably wouldn't even have had a chance to to take place had it not been for a guy two different times. He had either lost a draft or spun out and lost a draft and just sat on the track waiting for the yellow instead of getting going like a normal person would do and deal with whatever mistake they had made. Yeah, that's, that's pretty disappointing, too. So, but, you know, one of the things I was thinking about how dangerous that is, I mean, even for the guy that was taking that running start and run on the outside there, I mean, because it was, you're two by two in a, in a pack, and you're just kind of starting out, and he's going basically three wide through this whole thing. If anyone went to been down a little bit or watching out for him, there would have been a huge wreck right there. We keep saying that guy. Can I just say his name? Yeah, yeah go ahead. I don't care. It was Dalton Baldwin. Anyone surprised? <laughs> Kinda. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, the the guy's car wasn't even up to speed. He, I got wrecked with around sixty laps to go. My car was on like seven cylinders, and I think that guy's car was worse than mine, and he won the race. I bet. I bet. Uh. But Jeff Walton didn't have any of that shenanigans going on in his split. Well, uh, leaders, I mean, lap cars, I guess they didn't have their radio communications on. Uh, we're pulling up in front of the leader. We have one person park sideways on the start-finish line. We had several cars doing donuts by the pits. It was a rolling <laughs> dumbass derby. Yeah, we're really trying to get Jeff out of that bottom split, uh, and he did a great job getting a lot of I rating this week to, to do just that. But boy, it is uh, kind of ugly down there. It's terrible. I mean, I've gained three hundred this week alone trying to get out and get where I should be. Ninety um, percent of the time, I'm watching out for the idiots. That's not any better in second split. Alan could probably tell you that. I don't know. <laughs> It just depends on who's in there. You know, the higher splits get a bad reputation, but it really just depends on who's in there. Most yep. of the people that are in the top couple of splits are really good, race with respect, but it only takes one or two people in any split to make it like that. Good luck from New York. <laughs> yeah. Yep, here for safety rating. So, but one thing that Daytona 500 does, it brings out practically everyone on the service to race the thing. I mean, the participation was huge this week. Um, so you're going to have a lot of guys that don't normally run the cup car, first of all, don't normally run in the series. Um, in most of my races, I, I, I didn't even recognize a lot of the names I was with. So it was, it was real big participation. What do you guys kind of feel about, about that type of thing? Like maybe that was the reason why, um, well, for example, on uh, on Thursday during the daytime, I ran an open race, and I blew my engine, and I was able to go back out and still finish 12th in the race, which is, I think, kind of ridiculous that that I was able to do that. But I, it might be just because I was in there with a lot of people that normally don't run these races. What do you guys think? Well, it's hard to say, but I do know that uh, the European participation in this series is up. Uh, last season or last two seasons, those guys have been running a league because they didn't have any time slots for them. 
but this week and this year, they you know, they have opened up some more additional time slots. I noticed on Saturday in my race, I'd say half of them were non-Americans, uh, European, Australians, and whatnot. So I, I felt like there was a lot stronger presence uh, internationally. Yeah, there was, but I think what I was just seeing is just a lot of names I didn't even recognize. So not regular. What are you trying NIS, to say, Mike? Which, yeah. Watch out for them foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, hey, the the guys from uh, Great Britain and over there—they're great oval racers. They really are, and it, some of those guys uh, can get it done. Well, well we one know thing that I think you, fixed. one thing that I think you've seen at Super Speedways that you're not going to see is the guys that come from street stocks or or wherever they had gained their eye rating. You know, the the guy that parked on our track twice and brought the the caution out. I doubt you're going to see him in a whole lot of NIS races because he's not just going to be able to hold the car wide open and keep up. A C level driver with a C class driver with a 5,000 I rating, you know, racing some of the lower series and they come over for that. And what you end up seeing too is a lot of people that just don't know the, the, the race etiquette of it and end up causing wrecks even when they're not necessarily, you know, like just not knowing which lane to be in when they're lapped cars and stuff like that and forcing the pack to go three or four wide when it's unnecessary can just cause problems with when you have those kind of people that are that are joining that just haven't really raced a car before. Josh, I completely agree with you. Uh, Sunday morning, I was running first in the open with 50 to go and a lap car was on the bottom of turn one and two. So I went high. Coming out of two, he moved up right in front of me to block me and I couldn't slow down enough, and I tagged him in the bumper, and him and I took out about the entire field. Jeez, and he was 70, 72 laps down. And I saw stuff like that in both splits that I was in, where uh, lapped, lapped cars would try to think that they could blend into the pack by themselves, so when the pack was coming at full speed, they purposely move into the bottom lane to try to get somebody to slow down and hit them to, so that they could blend in and keep up, you know, try to keep on their lap or whatever, and I know uh, we're being pretty hard on the event and everything, but there were a lot of really good races out there too. I don't want you know turn anybody off. I mean that like the race we ran, we had that big wreck Sunday morning, but other than that, it was a really good race. And uh, I ran some A opens that were really really good. It just uh, luck of the draw, I guess. But they weren't all bad, you know. Some of them were absolutely great. Like the one that T. Hudson won was that had we had that that big wreck at the beginning, but it had 120 laps of, or 180 laps, excuse me, 180 laps of green flag racing after that, and it was a fantastic race. So yeah, Tyler's right. There there was some really good racing going on in the 500 this week too. Oh yeah, and uh, Brad, how'd you do this uh, this week? Uh, second in the open on Wednesday, got wrecked out, fixed on Thursday, and then bounce back for a third and fixed on Saturday. So I mean, both races I finished was it was really good racing. Um had a caution come out in the open race and was about eighteen inches short from getting the win just based on where the uh the flag flew. Yeah, very good. And I also want to mention that uh uh the Fossey driver Brad Miller won. And uh that was uh Wednesday, wasn't it, Mike? Uh I forget which day he won, uh, but yeah, yeah, he he did a win and uh, had a great result as well. Yep, I worked with Brad in a couple of my races. Uh, one time we just made a bad uh, pit call and uh, didn't take tires near the end, and that was a big mistake because uh, that really slowed us down. So Brad, Brad won. I like I like Brad Miller. He's a real real good driver. I'm, I'm glad he won. Are y'all related? <laughs> Uh, you never know. <laughs> yep. And so, and let's 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 talk about. It. Like I said, I didn't take tires, and and it was just a bad decision. So let's talk about a little bit about the super speedways and the and the tire model, and and really on how it's changed ever since. Uh, well, last year's Daytona basically you can go flat out, and only time you had a yeah. So you mean the lift at the lift at the end of the straights and oh yeah just the, the little checkups yeah but uh this time was just it was especially in the fixed it was i mean it, you treated like a mile and a half or you know basically you're lifting to go into the corner and and uh putting in the gas coming out it was just you know uh, 
I'll, I'll throw in my two cents, and especially after watching the real race yesterday, the Daytona 500, and how that played out, and hearing Dale Jr. talk about it after the the race. You know, I almost think they got it right. You know, those guys were pushing like that, and they had these weird loose moments where people were spinning out by themselves, and our team experienced that too. I've spun out a couple of times. Jeff Walton did too. Um, and, you know, I was thinking, boy, we're almost eerily close to what they're running. Yeah, I think in the forums, man, if you if you didn't watch the real race, it's just you would think, I racing totally screwed up the world, but how bad it is. But then after the watching the race, you're like, man, they, they nailed it actually. Right. It was, That's what uh, I was thinking. Y- yeah. And what's weird is the other, the 500s before this one didn't seem nearly that bad. So I don't, I'm not, and not a lot has changed. So I'm not sure what's going on there, but whatever information the engineers at iRacing are getting was, must be good information. I know Travis told me we were talking about this and he said, uh, I think what we have is a little exaggerated, and I, I think it might be, but also at the, on, the, on the same point, those guys are professionals, and they they know how to fix it, and they have more tools to fix it, so we might actually have kind of close to what they have. We just don't have the resources they have to, to kind of rein it in a little bit, but then again, it could be exaggerated a little bit. But either way, it made for really, really, really fun racing, in my opinion. The only thing that I think brought the exaggeration on was the speed differential and i know that yeah there's real life stuff that's going to be tough to compute into there but and this was along with tyler and i's conversation about it being exaggerated was you know maybe iRacing had to make the draft that way to simulate what they're actually doing in real life but yeah we're easily at times 10 mile an hour faster entering the corner than what the real guys are and i think that's what's causing the exaggerated tire wear but me personally you know i feel like it gave my foot a break typically in a 500 being wide open like that my foot starts cramping up my leg starts going to sleep it was kind of nice to be able to lift out the throttle and not get all that now the fixed race you know reminded me a lot of the old bumpy daytona after you know when they got really really long runs going they started getting spread out that's what it kind of reminded me of. Yeah, could you imagine what they have now in real life on the old Daytona? It'd probably be really spread out. Yep. Guarantee it, guys wouldn't have their cars sitting on a track like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I enjoy the fact that, like, uh, you know, you don't have to leave your foot down anymore. It gave the race back to the driver, it seemed like, to keep your car down that yellow line in a fixed race. You actually had to keep it down there, not just turn left and leave your foot in it. You had to drive it. Exactly. It sounds like the opinion in here is different than what I read on the forums. Because when I read the forums, you would have thought iRacing was broken. Nobody you couldn't even get around Daytona. It was just terrible. But I agree with you all. I like it. Might have been a little exaggerated, but I liked it. I like being able, like y'all are saying, put it into the driver's hands a little bit, save a little bit of tires here and there, maybe make up some spots at the end of a run. I like all that. It just adds to the racing to me. And we did have, or do have, a really, really good handling car. So I'm sure to somebody that wasn't able to come up with something that drove that good or guys that were just completely worried about speed and didn't care how good their car turned in the corner, it was probably a lot more frustrating for them than what it was for us, but I don't feel that it was completely off of what real life is or was in that race anyhow. All right, let's kind of talk a little bit about the real life race in a little bit because that was one thing that Dale Jr. mentioned after he after he spun out was that uh, they kind of misjudged uh, the handling that they needed for the car. So it, it was kind of like that you know in the in the real race too so that was kind of interesting but one of the things i want to mention that i did hear during the real race and i'm hoping that everyone kind of caught it that jeff gordon mentioned i racing uh during the telecast uh did you guys catch that yes yep. sir yep he was uh the uh, mike joy was talking about how tj majors and uh and uh, dale jr met and they met online racing and um and that uh, how Junior puts people from that 
he meets on racing or some people that he meets on racing think he has a future into some of his uh lower lower cars and yeah you got to love that exposure and uh you know how many people did that reach Uh, never heard the word i racing you know it's got to be a lot i thought that was really cool too and it it shows the alliance between the you know the sim racing that we do and real life racing I, i thought that was cool and it shows how cool Dale Jr. is. Yeah! Dale, yeah. <laughs> yep, it does. Makes me wonder if Gordon's not racing under a different name that, you know, it's not a name that you see on iRacing a lot, but he was very quick to know what it was and bring it up. Yeah, I don't think yeah, we've he heard of him on iRacing, have we? I don't, I don't think I've heard of his name, but yeah, maybe he is under a different name, so you never know. But uh, I'm sure a lot of those guys, uh, I've seen a few uh, professional racers in some things. So you never know. Some of them value their privacy. Yeah. So some of them so. may come on as a, you know, a different name. I mean, some of them don't want to be bothered. Yeah. Mike, you want to mention the article that was in uh, on Vice.com? Well, Vice.com, a mainstream website, a lot of people read that. They did a really nice long article on iRacing and uh, how it could be the future eSports sensation. And, uh, you know, obviously we've been talking about the Peak Series, and that's really uh, eSports right there. And and uh, it's quite a, a neat article. You know, check it out at Vice.com if you have time. Uh, they talked to uh, uh, Mitchell DeJong. Uh, which we've talked about before, Mitchell, uh, one of those premier iRacers out there, and uh, he talks about uh, the service and so forth. Uh, and and Will Vincent, also a co-founder of RaceSpot, was interviewed as well. So uh, check it out. All right, and uh, for the sake of time, we're going to kind of blow through some of the the next things that we have on our on our stuff because I really want to talk about um, some of the new things that might be coming out in the, the March build. So uh, iRacing announced that they're going to have a new payment system, which is the payment wall. Uh, If anybody has used it, that's a new way that you can uh, start uh, paying for your iRacing. Yeah, never heard of it. Yeah, more globally acceptable for a lot of people. Um, And then, uh, but uh, it's... For their March build, I think they mentioned that they're going to have four new cars coming out, which is the the Audi, the Mercedes, uh, the Renault 2.0, and the new uh, MX-5 car. Yeah, which and, will be free uh, upgrade on that MX-5. Yep, and uh, but one of the things that I'm looking forward to the most is the opportunity to uh, switch uh, my graphics to the DX11. Finally, DX11 is actually going to be here on the next build. Yeah, you want to talk a little bit about how they're going to do that, Mike? Well, they did announce an actual detailed plan of how this rollout is going to go. And basically what's going to happen is between the next build and the summer build, the spring and the summer build, they're going to have both DX9 and DX11 platforms operating at the same time. And you as a user... We'll be able to decide when you launch the sim if you're going to go in as DX9 or DX11. There'll be some kind of switch or something that you'll be able to decide. And then when the summer build comes out, DX9 will go away and we'll be on DX11 from that point forward. So there's going to be a crossover period there of about three months for people to get their hardware in order because you'll be able to try your hardware on that DX11. If something doesn't work right, you can revert back to that DX9 and you got three months to figure it out. Do you think that they should leave? I mean, I know that it's set in stone now, but what do you think it's going to do to the people that can't go out and go get a new machine? Well, I don't know that you need a new machine necessarily to run DX11. I think, you know, I say that out loud, but, uh, you know, how many people are running on, you know, Windows XP or, or Windows 7, like an old duo core you know, from seven years ago, those are going to be the people affected, the people on the very low-end equipment. Yeah, I agree. DX11's been out for a long time. Any card that's, you know, three years old or whatever should be able to handle it without uh, any problem. I mean, we're talking about, uh, I think, a small percentage of the iRacing community, 
that's going to be affected by the DX11 stuff. Um, you know, your stuff has to be pretty darn old uh, for this to affect you. And I really think that you're going to be able to get a graphics card in a neighborhood of $200 on the low end that could easily run iRacing with DX11. And when you talk about what the subscription costs and what you're paying for content, I mean, what's 200 bucks to to make it play the thing? Well, it, it sucks you, you turn anybody away, even if it's just a few amount of people. But, you know, iRacing's got to keep going. they got to keep moving forward. they got to keep updating and getting us to the next level. And this is way overdue. I mean, in reality, most, you know, video game manufacturers went to DX11 years ago. And there's a good yeah. percentage of the, the user base that's actually going to see a performance increase with a, with a DX11. Because DirectX 9 and 9C was very um, processor intensive because, you know, it's, it's from the days of Windows XP when video cards weren't massive like they are now. So the processor had to, had to take care of a lot of, the, a lot of the math. And nowadays a lot of it's done through, is all of it's done through video. And DirectX 11 will allow your video card to take over a lot of that load. So it'll get rid of the bottleneck that has been the processor for a lot of, a lot of people. Yeah, it's very frustrating for somebody like me that has an expensive card to not be getting the greatest frame rates and getting stutters and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here monitoring my card temp and the thing's running at like 50-some degrees Celsius. And if I start up any newer modern game like Grand Theft Auto or Project Cars, you know, the, the thing's instantly up to 80-some degrees and working the card and everything looks good. Yep. So I think we're we're all kind of agreement. Looking forward to that uh, that change that they got. Um, they also iRacing hired a new uh, animator, and so they put out a couple of videos of. It's just a, a little thing that they that they threw at the guy. So this isn't like um, someone who's uh, taking place of uh, other type of programmers that they have. This guy is purely for animation, and they he was uh, working on the new uh, lollipop guy thing that they showed on the video. Um, Besides the lollipop guy, are you guys looking forward to any kind of new animations? And then what kind of animations are you looking for? I want car parts flying off the cars when they wreck and debris. <laughs> Jeez, right some of the cautions some of the cautions we have already, you want to have debris laying on the track. <laughs> but no, I, I agree. That'd be cool to see for sure. It just it kind of sucks if somebody who's out there running around and you're trying not to get another caution and nobody wrecks and the piece flies off the car and brings the caution out. No, could you imagine like a damage model? Like, I don't know if you guys played it with that beam, beam NG drive or whatever it's called. Just I've like seen a, it. Yeah. It's soft, imagine that soft physics. Yeah. That would be crazy. Yeah. I want to see the pit like crew. A, yeah. Pit crew. Yeah. Man, everybody's been wanting that. There's, there's never really been anything released where, you actually see people coming out and servicing your car, and you know when you want the the realism part of it. I mean, that's definitely a part of it. Is not just feeling your car come down off the jack, and you know it's time to go. I mean, you want to see all the guys clearing your pit box and know that you're ready to get out of there. What's interesting about this is it, it almost seems like they hired this guy just to work on that just to work on the pit crew, you know, and he's starting out with the lollipop guy, but it's obvious that he's going to do the pit crew animation as well. So they're working on it. It's awesome. I like to see, uh, you know, the pit wall sign where it goes up and down when you're coming down pit road. Since we no longer have a warm up, we can't ride through pit road to see where our pit stall is anymore. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I want to paint my pit board. <laughs> Put it in Custom a different pit board. shape. Yeah. Put a smiley face on it. Like you gotcha or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> or a big gut. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. So that was the uh, that was a pretty neat video. So check that out uh, about the new animator they got. Um, the other video they put out was a revamped getting started video, um, and it's good for like the new iRacer out there. And uh, it was kind of interesting to watch that, you know, being a, a veteran. But, uh, yeah, they updated that, too. Yep. And so let's uh, jump down to uh, 
the little post about cameras are your friend deal. And I do know that a lot of us use cameras. So why don't you talk a little bit about this, Mike? Well, one of the guys from iRacing, uh, you know, threw out a tidbit there. I just wanted to bring up that, you know, when you're working on setups, get that camera inside your car and look at the suspension. You can physically look at it. Look at if the car is dragging the ground. And he was saying that it's actually quite accurate. Uh, an exact representation of what the physics is doing. Uh, keep in mind, this only works on your own car. If you look at remote cars, those are only estimates, but sometimes they're good estimates. So I guess, uh, Jason Miller, do you guys use the cameras in that way when you do setup stuff? Uh, well, we have, uh, we use like the rear chase. And then, you know, adjust the camera where it comes down, where you can see the front splitter, whether or not it's hitting the track. But like you said, only on your own car. But I have never tried it inside the car. Uh, that's kind of interesting. I wonder if it, if he means, like, you can actually see the springs and stuff bottoming out and stuff like that, or if he just means the car hitting the track. He says, here's the quote, we move the suspension directly from the physics, so while we skin it all with fancy graphics, the actual location of the spindle in relation to your car body or the ground is an exact representation of what the physics is doing. That's interesting. Yeah, it's nice little tidbit if you're into yep. setups. So, it says, the, so uh, be sure to poke a camera right into the wheel well so you can really watch what's happening. Yeah, I mean, if they're saying the spindle and the car body is accurate, the spring's got to be the moving part there. So you would think that the spring would have to be accurate. He didn't go that far to say that, but yeah, I think you could insinuate that. Yeah, but it would be interesting it's... to see when the spring compresses and when it's all the way fully compressed and stuff. So but that would be I'll be checking it out, that's for sure. Sounds like a lot more work. Never mind. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> we'll have to uh, maybe get in a B car and, and do something with coal binding a car and get in there and look at it and see if it's actually compressed the whole time. Yeah, that'd be interesting. That'd be a good thing to do. All right. Uh, let's kind of uh, get this uh, thing wrapped up here pretty soon. I want to mention in the video showcase that uh, we have a YouTube uh, channel of uh, Aaron Thacker, who does... Um, Majority GT1 races. I've been watching Aaron's uh, videos there for a while. He's kind of fun to watch. Uh, does pretty well in those races, and um, and uh, he's pretty pretty fun. And that's at the uh, Smog3K, I believe is his username is. So, and uh, Carlos might be uh, showing it up on the screen for all the people that uh, watch uh, this podcast on the YouTube. So, um, but anyway, just wanted to point that out and. Uh, and otherwise, I think that we're going to pretty much end this show. Uh, a lot of us have a league race to jump into. So I want to thank, uh, thank the guys for coming out, especially, uh, especially Tyler and the, the one-up motorsports uh, team here, uh, the peak antifreeze team. And i um, really hoping that uh, you guys have a fantastic season and uh, Tyler pulls home, uh, make it a 2016 uh, peak antifreeze championship here. So that would be uh, really neat. And i um, pretty sure with the crew there, since I know you guys well, I know that uh, you guys will always do your best and uh, will always put out uh, a pretty good car for Tyler to run in. Thank you. Appreciate you, uh, the invite and being here. And it was really fun. Long overdue, but I was glad I was able to get on here and be part of the show. Yeah, good luck on Tuesday. I hope you're uh, luck from your show rubs off on us we can get that win tomorrow night we, we want that streak to keep going so we do do they win or they just run good uh that'd be win sweet yeah. yeah we're gonna have tyler on here every other week uh <laughs> yeah oh ho hopefully all right uh uh anyway i just want to uh Say everyone uh, check out our uh, website on uh, iRacers Lounge and our Facebook page and uh, our Twitter account and the YouTube channel and and uh, download our podcast on iTunes and uh, SoundCloud and uh, Stitcher and uh, and you can drop us an email at iRacersLounge at uh, gmail.com and uh, 
I'll try to make this real quick uh, and not ask everyone, but Mike, you got any final thoughts? Well, uh, just shout out to everybody who won the Daytona 500. That is a uh, what I call a career-defining race. Uh, Tyler, Jeff, Brad Miller, all you guys who won, congratulations. Uh, you guys uh, really deserve it. Great race. Yep. So anyway, I think we're going to end the show with that. And uh, thank you very much. See ya. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure to go subscribe to us at our YouTube channel at iRacers Lounge. Follow on Twitter and Facebook at iRacers Lounge and SoundCloud at iRacers Lounge. See you on the track. Thank you.